0: Welcome to Iowa to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 103 of the podcast. If you're a new listener, I want to welcome you. Iowa to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and resource. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. Today, I've got Dr. Bonnie Goldstein on the show. She's the medical director of Cana Centers Wellness and Education, a California based medical practice devoted to educating parents about the use of cannabis for serious and chronic medical conditions. After years of working in pediatric emergency medicine, she developed an interest in the science of medical cannabis after witnessing its beneficial effects with an ill friend, which she shares with me here on our conversation. Over the last 13 years, she has evaluated thousands of patients for the use of medical cannabis and is recognized as an expert in the clinical application of cannabis therapeutics. She advised on the documentary, Weediatrics, A Covert Medical Mission, And her latest book, Cannabis is Medicine, How Medical Cannabis and CBD Are Healing Everything From Anxiety to Chronic Pain, is now available. Here is my conversation with Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. How did you get involved with this this film in the first place?
1: Uh, Well, I'm actually not, I wasn't involved in it. I just think um, what happened was I met the producers and the people involved in doing it because I have focused on pediatric cannabis um, treatment for the last, uh, my goodness, I don't know, eight years or so. I've been a cannabis physician for 13 years
0: Okay, after being
1: a pediatric emergency medicine doctor for about 15, 14, 15 years. So I've you know, I trained as a pediatrician, did critical care transport and pediatric ER, and then ended up transitioning around 2007, 2008 into the cannabis world after a friend of mine was sick and okay. asked me about it. I didn't know anything. I started reading about it and I was like, how, how do I not know about this? Right? Yeah. How, do, how, how do mainstream doctors not know that there's this tool, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's so safe? When used medically, you know, and I think that's the whole thing is that you know you're fighting all the brainwashing, but anyway, for the movie, I had heard about the movie, and then i was uh, had a um got to meet the people who made the movie, and I kind of got involved that way,
0: yeah and and so was when when you got involved was your friend it was it was a cancer treatment that you first became aware of yeah, okay,
1: yeah, that's correct. It was a friend with cancer who was had a good prognosis, but a tough treatment and um, it was it it broke her I mean she's just a person whose day to day life was filled with you know early morning till late at night, busy busy, busy working kids, husband, community, and just it all stopped
0: yeah
1: and in addition to fearing the typical things that you fear when you get cancer, which is, am I going to die? Am I going to see my children grow up? Am I going to die before my parents? You know, all the awful things that you go through your head. Yeah. She had tremendous physical um, side effects from the uh, chemo. She was just one of those people who like, when they give you a list, she had 90% of them. So, yeah. So for her cannabis, what it did for her was, a multitude of things and that's why i think it, it impressed me so much right yeah. i walked i in front of my face i saw a great response she physically felt better meaning able to eat dinner with the kids at the table
0: yeah
1: um able to take you know not out exercising like she used to be but walk around the block Right, yeah. without wanting to lay down on the next door, only making it to the next driveway. Remember, she said that I could only walk to the driveway next door and come home. And she was so excited she had made it around the block. Um, but mental, I can get through this. Um, my anxiety's down. I'm sleeping at night, right? Um, uh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Kind of that, you know, lifted the the severe burden of of. Uh, what a cancer diagnosis
0: means. Yeah, I mean that was my probably right around the same time, maybe a little earlier, like 2005. I was treating someone who was a judge in New York who had gone through this, you know, whole round of different things for uh, a kidney cancer of some sort, and so it was it was like a, a a slow process, you know, before they finally found out what it was, and then they they kind of got me involved at the time that they wanted to start doing some just support work. And then I, I kind of learned that they were starting to use cannabis for him, and and it made a, it made a huge difference. And I got to and I got to sort of be there. And you know, they, same kinds of things you're talking about, just just the day to day things where, you know, able to go for walks, and they had kids, and you know, able to be more present that way. And so, mm-hmm. that was the beginning of it for me of of even considering that it could be a something with medical usage, and then you know fast forward i guess maybe right. somewhere around around uh, 2013 i also started treating somebody a child with with some severe seizure issues and started hearing about it but again it was sort of you know everything had to kind of happen under the radar and you know the the thing that brought me into the film and i and i've covered this topic a little bit on the podcast before but but i but i think and and i also do do some work with seizure and with with autism Mm-hmm. And so th- th- I mean those were the two big things in the film that realizing how how difficult it was for these parents to actually get access and you're so so in your work now, so since since you've been doing this what's the what's the access like?
1: Sure well, it depends on where you live, which you're is right. a crime i and, mean and
0: you're in you're in, you're in uh, california. I'm in
1: california yeah so California, remember we're the first to have a medical law in nineteen ninety six yeah. Um, it was called the compassionate use act. It was, um, you know, we used to say good news and the bad news is the same. It's not, you know, not a very well-written law cause it left a lot of areas ambiguous. So, you know, people were negotiating it and then you'd get in trouble and say, well, that's how I interpret the law. And, and then law enforcement interprets it right, a little bit right, differently. Right. So it was really, as people said, the wild west. Yeah. Um, but, um, You know, parents are always going to do what they need to do for their children. Although in the movie, as you saw, many of them were they were terrified of getting in trouble and getting their children taken away. I've been involved in about, luckily, only uh, seven or eight child protective uh, service cases where uh, CPS came in or and somebody made some referral and it was investigated. And you know, I had to get involved to say, "Look, there's science behind this," and. These are children who have had, you know, where the parents have seen 10 different doctors, where they've tried 20 different drugs, where yeah. there truly is nothing left on the table. And, you know, I think it's criminal that you have to, um, that this would be a last resort. Because, right. my goodness, why wouldn't you use the benign plant first before you use drugs in a child's developing brain that right. we know what those drugs do? Um And cannabis, again, it's a plant and this uh, idea that it's going to destroy a child's brain. Well, what do you think 50 seizures a day does? Right. What do you think when you have a child who has autism who hits their head on concrete because they don't feel pain and they just sit and bang their head, um, you know, all day long? I mean, we have to look at these things from a different perspective meaning not look at it from the perspective of the prohibitionist we right. have to look at it from the the scientist and what there's a concept we use harm reduction you've probably heard that term before yeah. but you know um uh look i'm i joke around that i'm my husband calls me a, a chicken in a mommy suit that if you unzip me there's a chicken inside <laughs> right i'm a very conservatively trained physician yeah. um I, i'm a you know, fairly conservative person in I'm not a risk taker and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm always following the rules and, yeah. and cannabis is safe, especially when medically supervised by somebody who knows what they're doing. And to think that I'm just, you know, me or anybody like me or re- handing out can- like, oh, you know, getting little kids high, that is not what we're doing. My goodness. Uh, you saw in the movie, the one thing that stands out, the parents are so not cavalier. Yeah. They're so not, um, well, we'll just give them some cannabis and see what happens. I mean, they agonize over the decision. <laughs> These are good people yeah. who want the best for their children, and they find themselves in this terrible situation of their child who has significant challenges that modern medicine is not able to address. And I think anybody would agree with me that, you know, that all options that are safe should be on the table. Look, we are giving children with autism antipsychotic medications with a list of side effects, including irreversible side effects, as long as your arm, okay? And they don't actually make the child better. They're meant to treat the irritability of autism.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay? So basically let's tranquilize the kid yeah now look we got lots of drugs i could i could make a kid you know lay down all day you don't won't get up from the couch won't bother you won't go to school won't interfere
0: right. hey
1: you know you might have to force them to eat like what is the point of that what We're kind trying of life is that functional
0: yeah
1: yeah and when we Think about cannabis. The you, you can't think about the you know like the typical like you know I hate to call out Cheech and Chong but that kind of thing. We're right. not, you know, that's a that's a movie and that's one side of it. But it's and and you know that whole stoner side of it is kind of what's implanted in everybody's brain. Yeah. But re, you have to remember that prior to cannabis becoming kind of controversial in the 1930s and 40s, where they you know really started the. The process of taking it away from us yeah it was used as medicine yeah for thousands of years yeah and here we are we come along and we take it away for non-scientific non-medical reasons which you know i don't want to go into but the whole you know replacing um uh, hemp with you know paper from from timber and with um nylon involved you know they wanted to introduce new compounds so how do you get rid of it well you do this you know racist propaganda and, and brainwash everybody and get rid of it and they did yeah. a very good job didn't yeah. they because here we are in 2021 still yeah. talking about it and still talking about access so here in california access is actually fairly easy anybody under 21 if you're a, a considered a you know a minor you have to have a doctor's letter um and, and contrary to what some legislators think, 15-year-olds don't walk into my office without their parents and get a cannabis letter. That's right. not the way it works. Right. I require medical records up front. And then and only then can you get an appointment. And, of course, parents are here. And usually we're using the non-impairing, uh, you know, meaning non-THC cannabinoids. But we include THC when it's necessary. And um, the way to think about THC is that it's replacing a compound that your brain makes to help balance your cellular messages. And if you've ever seen someone having seizures, you can tell the cellular messages are not balanced. A child having a rage episode with autism, their cellular messages are not balanced. It turns out that they may have less of their inner cannabis, and we're just replacing it. It's like giving somebody insulin who doesn't make insulin, or yeah. giving somebody vitamin D who doesn't make vitamin D. So, so, so explain, um, yeah.
0: Well, um, with that, you know, and and with with the history of of use as as medicine, why do we have this endocannabinoid system in the first place? I mean, what what, what do we what do we know about that system?
1: Sure. Well, so it's evolved over thousands and thousands and thousands of years as a, you know, I call it a physiologic regulator, but it's a protective mechanism. It's mm-hmm. like, think about wound healing, right? You slice your skin with a little knife and three days later you're you're healed yeah. for the most part in, in a healthy person. Um, uh, when you develop cancer in your body, your body goes into a mode to try to kill the cancer. And sometimes you win and sometimes, you know, the cancer develops, mm-hmm. but we have all these protective mechanisms. Um, very simply, you know, another mechanism is to think about you eat a candy bar, your sugar goes up, your body recognizes that, kicks out insulin and brings it down. Why? Because right. high sugar, it turns out, is not very good for you, right? right? So right. Um, this is just another mechanism in the body, another system, again, that tells cells to send balance messages. So we are constantly kind of I, I I liken us to a boat on the ocean, and we're kind of floating along, and all these little systems are kicking in to yeah. keep up, keep the boat right. Yeah. But when you get a wave, so in uh, some type of traumatic insult, right? A head injury, a car accident, um, a broken bone, um, or an illness or inflammation, um, anything that Tips: what happens is your body just like the way high sugar triggers an insulin response this external insult or even an internal insult kicks out these it it triggers your endocannabinoid system to make compounds called endocannabinoids Mm -hmm. endo from within cannabinoid kind of compound it is Mm -hmm. inner cannabis compounds that basically are a feedback loop that the the cells sending kind of this you know alert alert right message the cells receiving that message will say gee that's too much message let me tell that cell to to dial it down and your body kicks out these inner cannabis compounds that go backwards to the sending cell and say just dial it down a little so when you think about Pain, that's an over-message. Now, it's adaptive, but yeah. it's still an over-message, right? Yeah. Nausea, like you get chemo and you have this overwhelming response of and being poisoned and you get severe nausea and vomiting. Again, an over-adaptive, but an right. over-message. Over yeah. um, seizures, um, over-firing, right? Children with autism, when you watch them, they're hyperactive, they're irritable, they're, you know, kind of... Um, Just taking, you know, I have a lot of parents that say, you know, moving my child from one um, uh, activity to another, they just lose it, Mm -hmm. right? They don't like that transition. That's typical of of children with autism. There's like an overstimulation or what we call neuroexcitation where the brain is sending too much message. And this is one of the mechanisms, your endocannabinoid system, to help those cells just dial it down a little bit. And um, it's a... uh, survival in the way that it's highly dense within your gut, your brain and your immune system. And when you think about kind of everyday functioning, those three systems are systems that are inherent to good health.
0: Right. And it's, it's, it's a lot um, of and what I inflammation. Yeah. It's it's a lot of what I treat. I'm, I'm I always kind of think of my work as being kind of an autonomic nervous system regulator. You know, there's there's a part of of what we're always trying to work on with people you know in in the in the situations that you're talking about, a lot of times it's it's a perception of the the you know the the mind or the nervous system or something where the, where there's a perceived danger, even if it's just a transition from you know someplace into a car. that sure. can you know for for someone who's really struggling in that way, their their system isn't able to regulate that those kinds of transitions. and 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 that's where these kinds of things become useful. And, and you know, I, I, we, we're not talking about adults here, but I think part of the, you know, the use that adults have used these for over the years has been kind of related to that, where people kind of end up in these, you know, cycles of fight or flight because of, you know, periods mm-hmm. of extreme stress or traumas. And, you know, this and, and this kind of leads into maybe the, the the next part of this, which is then it's a matter of of, of dosing, right, of of kind of figuring out. Ratios and and there's there's clearly been a lot of work going on with this for a long time, so we're starting to get a pretty good sense. So with 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 in your work, what how do you how do you figure out those kinds of ratios?
1: Right. Well, so the first thing I try to decide, of course, is what's the goal of treatment, right? Yeah. What are we targeting? And sometimes people have one or two things that need treatment, and then some people have a whole slew of things. And we then we kind of start here, and we always say. We're not. We're not going to get everything right out of the gate. Right. So we let's let's address some of the issues. You know, pay, for adults, pain, anxiety, and poor sleep are the main things that we, you know, almost all conditions boil down to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I saw with my friend, and probably what you saw as well. And if and you can get, <laughs> yeah, if you can get those things under control,
0: yeah.
1: Um people start to feel better, right? And often, you know, chronic illness leads to, well, and and this is what we talk about, endocannabinoid deficiency or depletion or dysfunction. The system's not working well. And that's why cannabis, when you add it in, whatever cannabinoid you're using, it helps augment that system. So, you know, it's running a little bit better. It's like putting oil in the engine, right? Yeah. And so what I try to do is, First, focus in on you know the diagnosis, and do we have understanding from the scientific literature of what will help this? So, for instance, children with seizures, uh, we know that high CBD, low THC often can be very helpful. We've got lots of studies now on on uh, pediatric epilepsy and how it responds to CBD. Um, and so, you know, for instance, with a child with epilepsy, I would start with high CBD, low THC Mm -hmm. and, and what we say is start low and go slow, but we have an idea of dosing range and we start low and we allow the patient's response to dictate the titration. Right. Some people need low dose. Some people need high dose. This is not a standard like pharmaceutical that has this narrow window of, uh, you know, therapeutic range and, You know, you're somewhere in this dose because the reality is, is that, again, the one thing, if you read the literature and read the studies on cannabis, every study says safe and well tolerated, safe and well tolerated, minor side effects. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. So it completely destroys the narrative that was fed to us that it's bad for us. So that's one thing I always try to get across is that, especially under medical super, supervision, especially starting out low dose of titration and letting your response dictate. I do not start people at 300 milligrams of CBD right out of the gate. Yeah. What if your dose is 100? Why would I commit you to 300? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to do that.
0: Which and which is so, really no, no, no different than any other medication or treatment. I mean, even even when I'm treating, because I do manual therapy, some mm-hmm. I, I do, you know, very gentle osteopathic work with some people, especially if I if I know that they've been in a pain cycle for a while, if I can tell there's a lot of emotional or or mental stressors kind of going on with the person. If I was to use, you know, you know, deep tissue massage or trigger point therapy in those situations, that might be too much for a system, you know. So it's we, 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 even exactly if you know that that seems like a good example. Even though we're talking about physical pressure on a person, the same kinds of things happen internally. So the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and unfortunately, but remember, in the pharmaceutical world, with you know, there's a range of dosing, and a, someone may start here, right? Yeah. and so, like for instance, you you take some uh, a woman who weighs 115 pounds, and you know is five two, and yet the drug that she's being given was studied in in 180 pound men. Right. You right. know, this is not. So the way, basically what I'm telling you is cannabis is not one size fits all. Each person has their unique response. Their endocannabinoid system is coded by your DNA. The same way we have different hair and different eye color and heights and the shape of our faces and noses is this idea of we're all different too. Our endocannabinoid system is similar in its function, but you may have – I I know people who are super sensitive and take one milligram of THC at night to sleep – and then I have other patients that need 20 milligrams, yeah. you know, and one milligram didn't do anything for them. And so why is there this wide variation? Well, because we're all different. Yeah. Um, and the way we respond, the way we absorb uh, these compounds is different. We metabolize them differently. We all definitely have different metabolism and excretion. So we have to be aware of that when when dictating treatment. One other example I'll just give you. So let's say a child comes to me who has... Uh, let's say, severe aggression um, and self-injurious behavior, Mm -hmm. uh, injurious to others, uh, severe hyperactivity. I might start them with a little more THC in the mix. I always include CBD. Mm -hmm. um, And one of the reasons is is we know that it can help prevent tolerance to THC. So one of the downsides of THC, even though it's extremely useful medication, is that Mm -hmm. if used on a regular basis and in higher doses, you can develop tolerance. Right. And what happens there is that the receptors where the THC binds to, which, by the way, don't exist for THC. They exist for, the endocon- for your inner cannabis compounds. Yep. But if you constantly hit those receptors over and over and over, there's like a self-preservation um, mechanism built mm. in where those receptors will pull into the cell and hide. Yeah. And now the THC can't reach them. So in order to get more uh, to get the same effect you have to take a higher dose and yeah. that's the concept of tolerance yeah. Yeah. okay and it's not exclusive to cannabis there are other right. other compounds like opiates and whatnot that also have tolerance issues so if i was to design a, a medication i don't would not design one with tolerance however that is the way it goes that's how it works yeah. and so i always include some cbd in the mix uh, if a patient can tolerate it again depending on their response yeah um, but I find the lower ratios, like one-to-one, uh, half CBD, half THC, sometimes a little more THC than CBD, sometimes a little more CBD than THC, but not the real big gap like I use with the kids with epilepsy.
0: Okay.
1: Sometimes those lower ratios are so um, uh, beneficial for someone who has rage, you know, uh, aggression, self-injurious behavior. It just knocks it out. And interestingly, one thing I'd like to point out is that there's now a number of studies, a couple of studies that came out just within the last few years uh, that were able to measure some of the uh, endocannabinoid levels in children with autism. Mm. And across the board, there are statistically significantly lower levels of their endocannabinoids in their bloodstream. Now, remember, your endocannabinoids are made in lots of different parts of your body in your brain they're made when you need them. They're released. They bind to the receptor and then enzymes come along and break them down. So they're what we call short-lived molecules. So it's, they're not necessarily floating around in large amounts for us to be able to measure very easily. Yeah. And you really don't want me going into your brain to measure them. Right. So they've designed, uh, there's a couple of ways that it's uh, that they can be measured from the blood. Um, and again, uh, the endocannabinoid levels are low in children with autism. So basically they have a deficiency.
0: Yeah.
1: Do we leave them with that deficiency? No, we should treat the deficiency, especially when the compound is responsible for creating balanced cellular messages in the brain and the gut. And we think about children with autism, there are three areas of difficulty, brain, gut, immune system. Yeah. Well, where's the endocannabinoid system heavily located? Brain, yeah. gut, immune system. There's an yeah. overlap there, yeah. and so it's exciting right now in 2021 because there's <clears throat> a fair amount of research going on. And if you if you don't mind, I'd like to share uh, some research that I'm oh, doing I'd love right it. now. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so um, I've paired with a company um, that measures um, what they call cannabis responsive biomarkers. So they collect saliva and they can look at chemical pathways hmm. um related to cellular functioning and they have a whole slew of what's called cannabis responsive biomarkers and for instance one particular biomarker may is has been associated with aggression and so we we've, we've collected saliva before and after cannabis treatment to see uh, what happens in children with autism, and we've compared that to children who don't have autism. And what's it's fascinating that children who have pre cannabis treatment abnormalities, meaning their biomarkers are not within the physiologic range, they're below or above. Okay. Uh, in many of their cases, after their their post cannabis treatment biomarkers have corrected into the physiologic range, whether it's low or high, balance. And that's a really fascinating concept. So that paper is going to be coming out in the next couple of months. And it's it's very exciting because it is objective data showing that cannabis can push your chemistry into a normal physiologic range and into balance. And remember, when a parent tells me, we had a great day, he didn't hit himself, he didn't bite himself, he didn't have 50 seizures, whatever it is, right? That's great, but in the world of science, people want hard data, okay? When parents tell me their child's well, I believe them, because many of them tell me, oh, we're not there yet, or it's not working, (laughs) or there's still a lot of room for improvement. But the parents don't lie, this is... They, they want help and they, and they don't lie saying, oh yeah, he's better when he, or she's better when they're not, they just don't do I don't find that that patients that parents do that yeah, this yeah. is uh, this is not a game, right There's no benefit to them to lie. Yeah. Um, so when they say but, but, but again, a lot of people say, oh, it's just anecdotal. Right. right, it's just anecdotal, well, is, not there,
0: really evidence. Hasn't this been a problem though? In terms of the, isn't there a U.S. patent on research? Uh, how, how how do you is is that has that been problematic for publishing well, or? Yeah.
1: So this is looking at something that's, you know, outside really of the cannabis world. These are kids that were already being treated okay. under my care. We we didn't change their cannabis regimen. We didn't give them cannabis for the study. So gotcha. we're allowed to do this. All we did was look at biomarkers.
0: Okay.
1: The cannabis was just, and whatever other medicine that they might be taking, they're on that too. So there yeah. was no, it was just a observation of children already using cannabis. Okay. So. Now I'm not allowed to take a group of patients who don't use cannabis, and then get, split them up into two groups and give half a placebo and half cannabis because then right. the, what is my treatment drug? It's cannabis, and that is still a Schedule One, yeah. um, you know, uh, controlled substance, illegal for me to study without federal approval. Right, um, and we are hopefully at the beginning of the end of that. Okay. Um, the DEA did just start after years of saying they would do this they just started approving um cultivators of uh cannabis to allow their product to be used in studies and this is a big problem is that you tell me we we need more studies right so the medical community is saying we need more studies but yet the federal government is saying no you can't study it and if we do approve a study you have to use cannabis from the federal government. So it comes from a farm at the University of Mississippi. Okay. And I don't want to say anything badly, but the cannabis there does not reflect what we call real-world cannabis. What you can walk into a dispensary in California or Colorado or New York and purchase yeah. is not what is being doled out for research purposes. Why am I comparing apples with oranges? Right? That yeah. that's, yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah.
0: Well, th- uh, thank you so much. This is this is like uh, th- this is kind of the stuff that I wanted to get out, and and I haven't been able to talk to anybody who's really doing as much on the ground as you are. You seem like, of of all the people I've I've you know had conversations with or on the topic, it, especially in peds, it seems like th- that's that that's the most I've seen. I, I work with a, a couple of docs here, functional medicine wise, and and pediatric wise here at the University of Minnesota. But, but it's still very limited here in terms of use. I, I feel like California is way ahead of us. Right.
1: Yeah, there's still a lot of fear, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it's, we're combating decades of, of propaganda. Yeah. And it's so hard to change minds. And, look, I know a lot of doctors who talk to their patients, you know, behind that door, in that doctor-patient relationship or yeah. doctor-parent relationship yeah. where they say, oh, it's great that you're using this. I'm I'm thrilled that you're doing it. It sounds like your child's doing well and they're on board, but yet they're terrified to say anything outside of the office, you know, in that intimate relationship because they fear for their medical license or they fear they might be considered fringe. Yeah. Um, All I can say is, again, I'm a fairly conservative doctor. That To me, this is just another tool in the toolbox. And as a scientist, look, I studied science and became a doctor. Many people, you study science, become a researcher. You study science and help the environment, right? Science is what science is. I put blinders on and said, I'm going to look at this from my science perspective. And when you look at it from that, that helps... You know, that all the propaganda, you really do have to push it away. Yeah. It took me a few years yeah, to get yeah. there. So I understand with my colleagues that that's something that they're fighting. But yeah. if you really just look at the science, the potential uses of this, again, another tool in the toolbox. Exactly. Um, it, it, it's You're not going to harm anybody. And you may really make a huge difference in a child's life yeah. and in an adult's life, too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much, Bonnie. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know you're busy. And uh, we'll, Thank uh, you so
1: much for having I, and, me. Uh, it's, yeah. and,
0: and nice to be connected.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care.
0: Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, folks, I hope this gives you a little more insight into the use of cannabis for treatment. And why we need to improve the ability to publish this research and have better access to monitored cannabis care by quality providers. I'm grateful to her for taking the time to share her experience and for all the efforts she's making to improve education and access to this type of care. I'd love to know what you thought of this topic and conversation. You can reach me anytime uh, through the contact page on our website, Highway2.health. That's highwayto.health. And if you'd like to watch us have this conversation, head over to the Highway to Health podcast channel on YouTube and check out Dr. Bonnie Goldstein's latest book, Cannabis is Medicine, how medical cannabis and CBD are healing everything from anxiety to chronic pain. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends.